0: It's y'all talk with a southern accent back going on a Wednesday. Hope your Wednesday is off and good. And if not, maybe this show will give you just the dose you need to get to feeling right. I'm John Rawl. This is the show all about the South. And boy, do we have a good one lined up today. We've got plenty of country music talk coming your way in hour two as Precious Harris will be dropping by from Music Row, Nashville, Tennessee. With the latest, and boy, I've been getting all kind of press releases regarding country music artists and more, and so I want to compare notes with Precious and make sure we give you, our great y'all audience, all you need to know about what's going on in Music City, USA. That's ahead in Hour 2. We'll also have our hashtag Hullabaloo as it is a Wednesday, and we'll dive into the social media madness at the start of Hour 2 with hashtag Hullabaloo. Later this hour, we're going to have ACC Talk with Jonathan Leifheit, and he is with 24-7 Sports, a CBS Sports digital site, and we've got plenty to talk about in regards to Clemson University. As the Tigers had a quarterback change last week, Kelly Bryant left the program, was going to redshirt and move on to somewhere else. Trevor Lawrence came in. He was injured in the Tigers game at Syracuse over the weekend, and Clemson was kind of up the creek without a paddle, it appeared, but somehow they found a way to win in the closing minute. And we'll talk to Jonathan Leifheit about that, what's going on in Tigertown, plus other ACC notes as there's a game Friday night this week. Georgia Tech plays at Louisville in ACC action, and all of Saturday's games are lined up. We'll preview all that in our ACC report with Mr. Leifheit. Plus, we'll talk some college basketball with Jonathan as all college basketball teams are currently practicing, getting ready for the start of the season in early November. And we've got some news on ACC basketball that we'll share, plus some ACC basketball recruiting. And, believe it or not, the trial that's going on regarding college basketball starts this week. And they're having jury selection, and it it impacts a couple of ACC programs. You may remember from 2017, early 2017, I think it was, just before March Madness began, I think is when this thing came out, where the shoe companies got involved with paying players to go to colleges and stuff. Just an ugly situation. And that trial is getting ready to start. So we've got a little bit of info on that. So plenty of ACC, Atlantic Coast Conference talk, coming your way later this hour here on the Y'all Show. If you want to reach out to us, we can gladly take your question or comment, 803-816-1170. And on Twitter, we are at Y'all Show. We start out today's look across what's going on around the Southland With Mississippi, and did you see President Trump was in South Haven, Mississippi, Tuesday night for a rally at the Lander Center. And that place holds about 10,000 people, and every bit of it was filled. I'm sure there were people waiting in the wings outside. Of course, this is just south of Memphis, Tennessee, probably a 15-minute drive from the Lander Center to Beale Street. So very convenient for the Mid-South, and man, people were packed in there. And I actually happen to see a couple of faces I recognize from my time in Mississippi, and that's pretty pretty crazy because Mississippi's got what four four million residents, maybe I'm guessing. And in this one picture I'm looking at of President Trump speaking, and I saw the video of his speech. But in the video that and the photo, you see about 15 people behind the president, just like he always has at his rallies. And I noticed two people and i know who the third person is but i know two of the people in the 15 people in the audience at the trump rally one of which is a undertaker in cleveland mississippi so joe davidson i appreciate you showing up at trump rally wearing your nice shirt and tie and it looks like you may have had a suit on at one point but very well dressed man for a trump rally that looks a lot better than the guy about two guys over from you wearing his mississippi State bulldog shirt and the guy next to him wearing an Ole Miss shirt well he is a face I recognize from Oxford and he and I and another guy were uh, well let's just say we were very early on the Trump train back in 2015 in Oxford Lafayette County Mississippi so anyway that uh, pretty neat to see that of course it was very hot and one reason I'm giving Joe Davidson from Cleveland Mississippi the undertaker some credit here is because it was pushing 100 degrees and people had to wait outside and hear Joe and a couple others around him are wearing coats and ties at the Trump rally. That, that took a lot of guts. Maybe that fellow wearing the Mississippi State shirt knew what he was doing by wearing a polo instead of a, a nice shirt and tie. But yeah, it's a, a raucous crowd there. At the rally in South Haven on Tuesday night, Trump defended Brett Kavanaugh, the U.S. Supreme Court justice nominee, and he slammed His accuser, Christine Blasey Ford's allegations about him, and Trump was kind of doing some kind of little routine where he said, I had one beer. How did you get home? I don't remember. Of course, this is all over the news today. You can tune in any other place and and find it, but Trump being kind of the comedian there on stage in in regards to the Supreme Court Justice News and Notes Now, we're going to hear the reason that Trump went to Mississippi was to help out Uh, Cindy Smith. She's trying to be elected in November to a full term in the U.S. Senate. She's currently a temporary senator, filling in for Thad Cochran, who retired earlier this year. Trump went to Mississippi to kind of boost her campaign. But from what my sources tell me in the audience there in South Haven in DeSoto County, Mississippi, that most of the people there that were at least visible, were not supporting her, but they were supporting Chris McDaniel, who's also running for that Senate seat. And there's a Democrat, Espy, also running. So three people running for uh, one seat in the U.S. Senate in Mississippi. But McDaniel is arguably the most conservative of all of them, and most people in Mississippi, it looks like, could be at least giving him an option. If not voting for him, they're at least considering him at this point. And and you're going to see... And it was very, very intriguing that in the rally on Tuesday night, Trump mentioned Espy and why you shouldn't vote for Espy, the Democratic candidate in the Senate race. He never mentioned Chris McDaniel's name, even though he's an opponent for Cindy Smith in this Senate race in November. I find that quite, quite intriguing. How about that? And he had all the time in the world to throw a punch if he needed to, but he didn't. But he was joined on stage by the governor of Mississippi, Phil Bryant, who they've worked together in the past. And let's go in to the Lander Center in South Haven, Mississippi, and hear just a very snippet, a very short snippet of the president talking and also having Phil Bryant come up on stage with him.
1: And we're going to start with a friend of mine who's a very special man, very special. He's a great governor, done a fantastic job. He called me. He built the African-American Museum, called me. We went there. It was so beautiful. We had, I was at the opening. We cut the ribbon. Governor Phil Bryant. Governor. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Phil. Should we bring Phil up here? He's been, sick. come on. Get up here, Phil. Come, come, come. Come on, Phil, get up here. What a great governor he's been. Look at this guy. Is he central casting or what? Is he? Look at this. He's central casting, but you know where he's really good? His heart and his brain. Great brain and great heart. Say a few words. Thank you. Are we proud to have Donald J. Trump here in Mississippi? All right, I won't get started, but I can tell you what, this man has done more as President of the United States in two years than any president that I can ever remember or ever studied about. He is a remarkable man that is making America great again.
0: President Donald Trump alongside Governor Phil Bryant of the state of Mississippi at the rally in South Haven, Mississippi on Tuesday night, And again, the president there helping to spread the Republican word to people like Phil Bryant, who is not up for re-election, His term as governor ends in 2019, but he's there to help out the Senate races. There's two Senate races going on in Mississippi and both Republicans trying to hold on to their Senate seats in the state and, 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 and should be not the hardest thing to do, but in politics, you just never know. Moving on to South Carolina now and, not necessarily channeling what's going on with Brett Kavanaugh, but I, I find this also intriguing. A Democratic lawmaker was found not guilty Tuesday of assault in a confrontation last year with a Democratic colleague at the South Carolina State House. A jury in the Richland County Magistrate Court deliberated for 15 minutes before finding that State Representative Jerry Govan was not guilty of misdemeanor third degree assault against Representative Gilda Cobb Hunter. Both Democratic lawmakers have been at the State House for more than two decades and both serve Orangeburg County, South Carolina. Supposedly back in 2017, a dispute was going on over a school consolidation bill and Cobb Hunter testified that Govan grabbed her arm and twisted her wrist, according to media reports. But in the end, a jury found him not guilty, didn't have a mistrial, found him not guilty of the assault on his Democratic colleague. Sad news from East Tennessee, as the body of an Ohio woman was found in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park late yesterday afternoon, and this followed a week after she went missing while hiking with her daughter. Now, people weren't sure if she was in Tennessee or North Carolina, as it was originally reported, but Mitzi Sue's Susan Clements was found about two miles west of Clingmans Dome in the Appalachian, near the Appalachian Trail. She was a 53-year-old from Cleves, Ohio, and she'd been missing since the afternoon of September 25th. A Montgomery, Alabama couple faces multiple felony charges after police in Montgomery say their five young children tested positive for cocaine. Eric Heath, Sr., age 40, and his lady friend Cordelia Adair, age 31, are charged with five counts of chemical endangerment of a child, according to Montgomery Police. According to the arrest affidavits, the children are ages 4, 7, 9, 12, and 13, and all po- tested positive for cocaine. Sadly, no surprise in this story, the city of Atlanta has voted to replace the word Confederate in two street names with the word United. The Atlanta City Council voted unanimously on Monday to change Confederate Avenue, which has been a long-standing name and area in uh, Atlanta, just east of downtown They're going to rename that to United Avenue and another street called East Confederate Avenue, changing that to United Avenue Southeast. Also, a street named Confederate Court was voted to be renamed Trestle Tree Court, and the council voted to have the names changed by the end of this month. The decision now goes to the mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms, and if she signs it, it will become law, and it will allow the signs to be replaced by December. One councilwoman says that a ceremony is planned for Martin Luther King Day to honor the name changes. Now, that is kind of an insult to injury. You're replacing Confederate streets, and you're celebrating it on Martin Luther King Day. That doesn't seem to be very united, in my opinion. Finally, sad news from Lubbock, Texas, as Peggy Sue Garen Rackham died this week at the age of 78. She was the inspiration of Buddy Holly's 1958 smash Peggy Sue what a great song in 2008 Peggy Sue Garen released her autobiography whatever happened to Peggy Sue a memoir by Buddy Holly's Peggy Sue which marked the 50th anniversary of the song when we come back on the y'all show we're going to talk ACC football with Jonathan Lifeline of 247sports.com hang on we will return
2: Are you putting your retirement savings in a
3: 401k, IRA, or investment account? Then I have one word of advice. Stop. to take back control of your money and finances, and it gives you penalty-free access to your savings. Plus, it beats the pants off any 401k or IRA. These are uncertain times, so get the information you need today to guarantee your retirement security. To get this free report, go to bankonyourself.com right now. That's bankonyourself.com. bankonyourself.com.
4: Hey there, I'm a glue stick,
1: so I have one job. I glue kid stuff. So sorry for being jealous of Geico, who does a ton more. Like give you 24-7 access to thousands of licensed agents. And Geico has been around for over 75 years and has a 97% customer satisfaction rating. While I've just got mediocre adhesive skills, Geico also has an award-winning mobile app. Uh Uh-oh, arts and crafts time. No eating the glue stick.
4: Miss Lydia!
3: Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more
0: y'all talk with a southern accent as we roll on on a wednesday And each Wednesday, we're glad to be joined by Jonathan Leifheit of 24-7 Sports, a CBS Sports digital site. And we're going to talk ACC football and ACC basketball on our ACC report with Mr. Leifheit. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome in to y'all. Thanks for having me again. It's good to be here. Well, you just eked in, so congratulations. We just had enough room at the end for you. (laughs) Well, as long as you had room, that's all that matters. Well, Jonathan, let's look back at the ACC football from last week, week five, and then we're going to turn our attention to week six before we get out of here this segment. And then we're going to talk a lot of basketball in the next segment of our show today. But first off, last week it actually started early in ACC as Miami welcomed in North Carolina. And the Hurricanes got a 47-10 to win over the hills. Not surprising that Miami won. A little surprising to me that they won that way, 47-10. to 10. Well, it, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that, that
5: North Carolina turned the ball over. I think it was at least two touchdowns that were returned by the defense for, for TDs. It might have been a third, and I just don't remember right off the top of my head. But it, all
0: I know is they turned it over uh, just like they vote in Chicago, early and often. <laughs> all right, other scores from the weekend. It Pitt went to... Orlando and they were killed by UCF 45-14. to A little bit of a surprise to me. Virginia Tech knocked off Duke 31-14. to Boston College was able to escape versus Temple 45-35. Georgia Tech with a big win over Bowling Green 63-17. NC State with a nice win at home and ACC foe as they knocked off the Hoos 35-21. Wake Forest took care of Rice 56-24. Florida State big win for them as they've had an embattled season but they got a win on the road at louisville 28 to 24 and then clemson narrowly won but they did come back they lost the game for 59 of 60 minutes but in the 60th minute they found a way to win over syracuse 27 <laughs> 23 jonathan anything else you want to add to last week's action well i'll tell you the uh, i thought the
5: most uh probably the most interesting game probably was florida state louisville louisville actually had uh gone out to a 21 to seven lead at the, I believe it was at the 21 uh, seven yeah 21 seven lead at the half managed to score all of three points in the second half had still had the game in hand and then threw a an interception that led to a Florida State touchdown in the waning seconds of the game to put the Knolls back in it so neither one of those teams looked particularly impressive there and then of course uh, the other thing I I thought and I know we're going to talk more about this but uh, Clemson had a lot of drama last week with their quarterback situation. Uh, Davos Sweeney, of course, naming Trevor Lawrence to be the starter. Lawrence goes into the circuit. Uh, as a result of that, Kelly Bryant says, you know what? I can redshirt this year, and I'm going to withdraw and transfer somewhere else. So now Clemson has Trevor Lawrence and uh, a bunch of young guys at the quarterback what happens? Lawrence goes down and then, uh, they basically are stuck with their third string quarterback, but it does look like Lawrence will be back this coming week, but, uh, they were down to their, uh, their, their third string uh, quarterback, Chase Bryce, who did manage to, to, uh, engineer that comeback that you mentioned, uh, and Clemson narrowly escaped. So it seems like Clemson has some bad luck at quarterback when they play Syracuse. Uh, last year, of course, Syracuse pulled the upset and Kelly Carter actually, excuse me, Kelly Bryant went down. Last year during that game, and that was part of a big part of uh, of why they won it. So I thought those were two of the, the more interesting uh, outcomes of the weekend.
0: Yeah, Sweeney, coach of the Clemson Tigers, said that Lawrence got the crap knocked out of him on the play that you mentioned in the first half of that game against Syracuse. It was a head and neck injury type thing, but it seems like Lawrence is doing well. He's back practicing this week and is expected to play when Clemson hits the road to Wake Forest. This week. Now, the funny thing is, Jonathan, I know you know this because you're Mr. ACC guy, but with Kelly Bryant transferring out, you had Trevor Lawrence now as the starter. And then Chase Bryce is the redshirt freshman stepping in to be the quarterback whenever Lawrence has an injury, as he had last week. Do you know who the next guy in line is? Uh, well, actually,
5: it's it's funny you should mention that because it would actually be wide receiver Hunter Renfro. Okay.
0: All right. I knew you would know, but just in case, <laughs> uh, because prior to last week, he would have been the fourth string option, which I don't think uh, he would have seen the light of day. But there's a chance now Hunter Renfro, the famous guy that caught the national championship catch, could be under center. He needs to be under center in practice, at least for Clemson, because he well, might be he
5: Okay, yeah, He actually has been practicing and sitting in some of the quarterback meetings. Okay, um, and, and then there was an amusing anecdote. Uh, apparently, uh, defensive lineman Christian Wilkins, um, he's none too happy about this. Uh, he quipped that he was really upset that they didn't give him a shot at quarterback as well. Uh,
0: well. Well, let's talk about Jonathan. Of course, this whole deal with Kelly Bryant happened last week after you filed your great report. So we really didn't have it last week. It happened right. midweek of last week. But Hunter Renfro, the aforementioned Hunter Renfro, He actually spoke to the media this week, and he is frustrated by the new red shirt rule in college football. So, what can you tell us about his frustration? Well, I I
5: think the 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 deal is is he he felt like you know he went out there and you know played four games with him, and he's supposed to be their teammate, supposed to stay with him, and you know uh, his quotes were basically, "It's not the decision I would have made." So, I'm not so sure that he. uh, I think his frustration is, is one, that Kelly Bryant made that decision. But um, I think also, to his, in his mind, he shouldn't have been able to make that decision. So he's not so sure he likes the new redshirt rules and how they work. Um, you know, Kelly Bryant, of course, tra- with him transferring out after four games, he can basically declare this a red shirt and play again next year, um, which is, you know, true for anybody. So from that perspective, I think his frustration is probably more with the fact that the guy up and, and left, and, and, you know, probably he's got a point. I think, you know, you might see more of uh, players play the first four games so they realize it's not going to be how they want it to be. They might go, you know, forget it. I'm going to take my red shirt and move on somewhere else. So it, it kind of opens up that what I'll call, for lack of a better term, free agency kind of deal
0: mm-hmm.
5: uh, a little bit more. And I can see I can see his point on that. Um, But I I also feel like uh, I think it's a pretty good idea to to let those players get out there and play a little bit more, get a better sense of how they contribute, and still give them that extra year uh, in playing. i am almost gotten to the point where I almost feel like you should just give the the players uh, five years and, and not even worry about red shirts anymore.
0: Okay. Well, Jonathan, let me ask you, when this news broke last week with Clemson quarterback Kelly Bryant, it seemed to me in my very unscientific polling that most people were on Kelly Bryant's side on this, whether they were Clemson fans or they were, they were haters of Clemson. They just seemed like he, he was not given a, a the, the fair shot. He didn't deserve to have the quarterback role taken from him. So if you had to take a poll of Clemson and the rest of the ACC, how would that poll stack up?
5: Well, you know, I didn't see quite the same results. I felt like, you know, um, he was told he was still going to play. So um, it wasn't a case where they just said, you're now benched, you're never going to see the light of day again. Um, no, what they told him is is Lawrence is the starter, but you're still going to play. So, you know, I, I think most folks looked at it and thought, well, you know, Kelly's taking advantage of the rules for, to his advantage, but I also feel like, you know, he probably uh, probably played it pretty selfish in, in a lot of ways. So I think you're going to get a mixture of that and how it goes. And then, uh, you know, it also goes to show you, you know, just w- you never know what's going to happen. And he would have certainly played every bit as much uh, this past weekend as he as he has in the past. And I've seen it in other cases. I've seen players, uh, you know, from uh, from Georgia Tech. I've seen players transfer out, um, you know, in particular, uh, uh, we had Marcus Marshall who transferred out and everybody was expecting, you know, uh, big things from the from the guy who, who kind of beat him out. And then he got tossed off the team, and, and Marshall would have had had everything in front of him there at Georgia Tech. So I, I think a lot of times the kids should probably consider sticking it out, and they'll find that probably more often than not it'll work out in their favor. So, um, you know, that's a lot, of, a lot of how it goes in there. But, you know, at, at that age, most kids aren't thinking long-term. They're
0: going to think pretty short-term. And I'm going back here in my archives. Did Marshall transfer to James Madison? He did. And so he did he win a national championship for the Dukes? I believe uh, – I'm not sure. I'm not Being not much of a James Madison historian,
5: <laughs> I couldn't answer
0: that for you. Well, it, it, you know, it, it, it's not good that he ever left an ACC program like Georgia Tech. But, hey, if he's looking for a, a ring, he may have got one in Harrisburg, yep. Virginia with the Dukes. Now, Jonathan, the way this rule works, if you play in more than four games – you aren't able to be red-shirted. Now, those four Correct. games can be anywhere on the schedule? Yeah. Previously, it was uh, – they would look at you, – you couldn't play it at all.
5: And then they had, of course, this uh, medical redshirt where if you played early in the season, then you could apply for a waiver. And it was granted pretty regularly. Now, it's any four games. It doesn't matter if it's the first four games, the last four games, you know, the first game, the last game,
0: and two in the middle. It does not matter. It's just four games, period. Okay. Well, let me ask you this question cuz this all now comes into strategy. So, let's pick on Georgia Tech, a a program you know a little bit about. <laughs> yeah. They're probably not going to make it to Charlotte this year. That's just the way it's probably going to go for them. So, let's say let's say even Paul Johnson kind of hints uh, maybe in early November, "Hey, I'm probably not going to be around here anymore." So, what does he have to lose? Is my point. And this could go for any team that's struggling in 2018. So does that mean true freshmen who haven't seen play at all this year might come in and play those last two or three games and still not cost them in the future?
5: Yeah, it, it's very possible that you could see something like that. And, uh, you know, as long as they hadn't played, obviously, in an earlier game, and, and a lot of them will, will play typically, you know, they'll try and get them out there in some of the blowout victories just to get some, some time on the field with them. But, yeah, it's very possible that you could see something like that happen, you know, um, I'll take uh, let's just go, you know, to all the way outside the ACC and let's take a look at a school like uh, Nebraska. Scott Frost came <laughs> out and talked about uh, about how undisciplined and, and really had some very less than complimentary things to say about his team. Well, it may get to a point where he just goes, you know what? I'm you know, I'm writing off the senior class. You guys are gone. I'm going to play the young guys. And here we go. So you could see something like that happen.
0: Okay, well, I mean, it actually keeps true freshmen who haven't seen the light of day and weren't expected to see the light of day, I guess, interested in the program a little bit more because they may be out there playing full steam ahead as the season winds down. When the other players who aren't going to be there anymore kind of kind of understand, well, this isn't I'm not i am not going to win a national championship for Rice. Yeah, Un- I mean, Rice University this year. So here we go.
5: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So you're you're looking at a player that could potentially say, well, I've only played in two games. If I keep practicing hard, maybe I can get out there and play in the, in the last couple of games. So you're right, it does give some motivation and keeps some interested in, in things. So I think it's probably, I think it's a good
0: move. Uh, and I hope that they'll move at some point to just say, here's five years, Okay, play it however you want. All right. Well, Jonathan, there is a big game at Lane Stadium this weekend as Virginia Tech host Notre Dame and former Hokies head football coach Frank Beamer is going to be honored in Blacksburg with a statue at Lane Stadium. How about that? Yeah, uh, not surprising.
5: I mean, uh, you kind of go back and look at what what Beamer did at Virginia Tech, really kind of put them on the map. They really, uh, you know, they had a little bit of success over the years. I I believe one of the Dooley brothers, uh, um, Bill Dooley, uh, coached there and had them as a decent squad. But, you know, really, when you talk about consistent, success and whatnot it was it was frank beamer that did it he's the one that put them on the map so he absolutely deserves that if i was a hokey fan i would be uh i would be all in favor of of him having a statue outside that stadium
0: this is a life-size bronze statue and it was financed by private gifts no university funds were utilized for this tribute and it was done by artist sculptor and painter tom Gallo, who lives in murrell's inlet south carolina So what a a rough life being a sculptor right alongside the Atlantic Ocean and Merle's Inlet SC. And I guess he'll probably be on hand for the dedication of the Beamer statue at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg this weekend. Now, Jonathan, as we said, that is a big game going on in the ACC this weekend. Not a conference game. You've got Notre Dame kind of the ACC light program. So what else... Do we have going on in the conference this week well those louisville cardinals who struggled at home against florida state they get it going a day early this week as georgia tech and louisville play friday night lights at papa john's cardinal stadium
5: well actually i don't think it's called uh, papa john's
0: anymore Yeah, yeah but i'm going to call it that that's why
5: I said okay <laughs> yeah this will be a uh,
0: this is a big game for both programs
5: both of them are sitting at two and three and oh and two in their uh, respective divisions so uh this is going to be a i think a really important game it's going to really kind of determine the the fate probably of both of them uh as 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 things go forward for georgia tech um i know this is their first friday friday night game ever they've played some friday games well friday night game yes first first one they have played friday before uh if you go back if you look at the uh um, kind of Friday after Thanksgiving against Georgia. I believe there was a game or two that was on Friday, that one. But that was generally during the day and generally not in conflict with uh, high school football. So this will be a, kind of a new a new thing for uh, for the Jackets. I'm not sure if Louisville has or hasn't played one. I think they have. Um, but uh, normally it's been kind of the former Big East schools up in the Northeast that have been more willing to play those. And I knew sooner or later that the Jackets would play one. Just glad it's not a home game.
0: Yep. That's a 7 Eastern, 6 o'clock kick Friday night between the Cards and the Jackets in the Hot Seat Bowl. Can we call it that? Yeah, we can. All right. Now, moving to Saturday, the Pitt Panthers try to get back on the right side of the ledger as they host the Syracuse Orangemen at Hines Field in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. NC State welcomes in Boston College. The Florida State Seminoles in Miami – there's not really a nickname for this rivalry. I guess you could call it wide right or wide left, but <laughs> is there some other name for this great ACC rivalry?
5: Not that I'm aware of. It's never really gotten a, a name, and that's just fine, but these two teams definitely have had a lot of epic battles over the years, that's for sure.
0: Saturday night is that game between Notre Dame and Virginia Tech at Lane Stadium. And then the Clemson Tigers, ranked number four in the country, they traveled to Winston-Salem for a game at the bank as they take on Wake Forest. Jonathan, any thoughts on any of these matchups this weekend?
5: Well, um, yeah, I think uh, that Florida State-Miami one ought to be interesting. Um, If nothing else, uh, I think Florida State is absolutely reeling at this point. Um, uh, The the way they've been playing, they got very, very lucky against Louisville. Um, I think Miami's going to take them pretty good. It'll also be interesting to see Virginia Tech hosting Notre Dame. Um, on, a, on a Saturday night game, Lane Stadium should absolutely be rocking uh, for that game. So Notre Dame's going to have their hands full with uh, with that crowd. So And the you know, ACC,
0: the conference is really going to be rooting for the Hokies in this one. This could be something to help, I guess, cure the blues that the ACC's had <laughs> at times this season. And a big win yeah. over a team, Notre Dame, that, that I guess NBC's already ready to crown national champs. Well, this game... <laughs> Will not be on NBC. I don't think. I think it's on some other network. But it's on ABC, actually. Okay. I don't know what their arrangement is, but hey, that's the big game Saturday night in ACC play as Virginia Tech host Notre Dame. Well, that is a look at ACC football. But hang on, y'all. We're not done talking about the Atlantic Coast Conference. When we come back, believe it or not, the ACC teams and college football, college basketball teams all over the country are now practicing for the start of that season in about five weeks. And we'll talk to Jonathan about hoops on the other side of this timeout.
3: Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room.
4: Car repairs. (laughs) (gasps)
0: We are back on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, as we do each Wednesday here on the program. We call on our friend Jonathan Leifheit of 247sports.com, a CBS Sports digital site, and we get his take on ACC football and now ACC basketball, as all college basketball teams are practicing, getting ready for the start of the season in early November. And, Jonathan, we're going to start off with some basketball talk, but we're going to bring out our legal team here to talk about this latest story as there this week has been a trial selection underway for a, a jury and this is all because of the fbi investigation of college basketball remember the ugliness that's going on in college basketball and the fbi has been investigating and now the first trial is getting underway this week with jury selection going on what more can you tell me about this
5: yeah, I mean, this has been kind of building, and I, I think uh, I'm surprised it's kind of uh, made it this far. I was kind of expecting to see some uh, plea bargains out on some of them, but not happened yet. And uh, this will be kind of, the, I think, the very first uh, first trial to come out of that whole mess. And it certainly was a black eye on college basketball. And, um, you know, we're talking about the ACC, certainly some ACC um, kind of uh, connections here. Um, the first trial is going to be against Merle Coe, Jim Gatto, and Christian Dawkins. And it, it believed that the player they were trying to get money to was uh, Dennis Smith, Jr., who used to play for uh, uh, the Wolfpack. And uh, so this will be interesting. And then, of course, um, a whole lot of uh, uh, charges that were leveled against Louisville. Um, the family of Brian Bowen, who was uh, who was originally supposed to be headed to Louisville, um, was allegedly given the, the $100,000. So, a lot of ACC kind of uh, unfortunate involvement there, um, And uh, but this is going to be the first, I think, of, of many trials to come, or at least many plea bargains to come, and we'll kind of see kind of where things go
0: from there. Well, all major college basketball programs have been under the spotlight. All Power Five conferences have been examined and I think we all have known for a long time that the recruitment of players, both football and basketball, can be dirty at times, and it looks like with the involvement of some of these shoe companies that help make this thing a little bit more easy to find out and discover by the FBI. And we'll—I wonder if ESPN or some other major channel is going to give like trial coverage of this thing on their on their airwaves.
5: Yeah, I believe that they probably will. I mean, you'll probably see at least some mentions of it. We'll see some on, on, on ESPN for sure. I can tell you CBS is certainly going to be following it as well. So you'll get coverage probably uh, from uh, all the major sports folks uh, on what's going on.
0: Well, I think we can safely say that one former ACC basketball coach, Rick Pitino, he's done with the sport because of this investigation and, and some of the other Absolutely. things that's going on with this program. Did you see the picture of – of Patino and Jim Beheim of Syracuse having a meal together. No, I did not. Yeah, I don't know where it was, but they were pictured in the last couple of days having some kind of meal together. So I'm sure, you know, those coaches are all part of a fraternity, whether they're still in the game or not, and and I'm sure Syracuse also has had the finger pointed at them from a FBI standpoint. Well, well any major almost
5: all major uh, uh all major teams have had it at some point. Whether it's Kansas, Syracuse, North Carolina, Miami, Georgia Tech, even involved with a you know player that was allegedly involved, although they later cleared him, Arizona certainly has a big has a lot of it. Auburn, um, I mean, you, you, the list just goes on and on. The teams that uh, that you know were impacted or had, had recruits that were allegedly involved in the whole scheme. In a lot of cases, it wasn't the schools themselves, um, but to your point, it was the shoe companies that were trying to direct them to. The various places, so um, a lot of dirty, a lot of dirty pool going on there.
0: Yeah, one of my childhood—I won't call him a hero, but one of my influences from an NBA standpoint—he was busted as an assistant coach at Auburn. An ugly situation there. I think, I think his career from a coaching standpoint is probably over. Do you know who I'm talking about? Chuck Person. Yeah, the Rifleman. And I—I sound like a real basketball guy because not many kids in the 80s, were pulling for Chuck Person. They'd never heard of Chuck Person, but I liked him because he was with the Pacers, and I just uh, thought he had a pretty good deal back when they had Wayman Tisdale and others. They were my kind of one of my NBA teams I follow, which was pretty hard to do if you didn't live in Indiana. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Chuck Person was an assistant on Bruce Pearl's staff, and, man, the hammer got dropped on him right before last yep. season. So we'll have to see what happened. Maybe this will clean up recruiting. That's what we hope. If nothing else comes out of that, this whole fiasco will make college basketball recruiting a lot cleaner. And in the spirit of basketball recruiting, Jonathan, NC State is, uh, well, they're licking their chops. The Wolf is licking his chops because Jalen Lecky, I guess is how you pronounce his name, he's from New Hampshire, and he announced this week that he is pledging his basketball talent to NC State, and he is... Listed as the number four combo guard in the nation, according to your website, twenty four seven sports.
5: Yep, uh, he uh, just committed. Um, I picked uh, picked the Wolfpack over UCLA, Louisville, TCU, Oregon, Texas Tech, and Tennessee. So uh, you know a couple of real blue bloods there in the names, with UCLA and Louisville leading that charge. Oregon's a team that has a program that's really been on the rise as well. So um, big. Uh, you know a big big win for the for the wolf pack and uh uh good to have talent that's you know stick here in the ACC
0: yeah NC state I think I can uh, go back last year they had a a pretty good year didn't they last year you know
5: i i uh, have kind of flushed the whole last year from my mind so i don't recall but yeah i do believe i actually think they did make the tournament yeah and that uh, was pretty tell- good
0: because they had a i believe a first year coach the former coach Kevin keats from UNC wilmington came to Raleigh yep. and did a great job in his first year. Of course, the predecessor there, Mark Gottfried, I thought, did a pretty good job. He didn't take them to where they really wanted to go, but he, he had a pretty decent program and yeah. had had success. It's got to be, t- you know, being in the ACC is tough anyway, but if you're on yep. Tobacco Road and you're not North Carolina or Duke, it must be really tough to be a college <laughs> basketball coach. <laughs> oh,
5: yeah, and, you know, they're all the time having to live up to that and, you know, they had a Herb Sendek for so many years and Herb was kind of the, kind of the, probably did about the same in terms of, of achievement that my, that, uh, Godfrey did. So, uh, you know, it's no surprise they sent him going. They, they, they want to win. And, uh, one thing they, they want to do is they've got to beat big brother up the road, particularly North Carolina. And then of course you've got the other cousin right there on the same place and that's Duke. So yeah. uh, it's a, it's a, it's hard to, to, it's hard to, to sit there and try and be third string in the in that area.
0: And pretty much the same county. I know it's not the same county, but it's all right there within earshot oh, yeah. of They're each other. Easy, easy driving. That's uh, You could probably ride your bike between them all. Yeah, I know you could between UNC and Chapel Hill. Yeah. But, you know, NC State's done it before. 1983, hard to believe, 35 years since Sidney Lowe and, let's see here, Terry Gannon was a part of that team and all those great players, under Jim Valvano, went out to Albuquerque and came back with a title for the red and white of NC State. All right, Jonathan, speaking of basketball, we just talked about UNC Wilmington, so go, go Seahawks or Skyhawks. I think they're the Seahawks. I apologize, Wilmington fans. But, of course, that part of North Carolina hit hard by Hurricane Florence here in the last month, and the Clemson men's basketball team is going to go down to Wilmington and put on an exhibition on October 27th to help raise money to the UNC Wilmington's campus emergency fund for student hurricane relief. So pretty good job by coach Brownell of the Clemson basketball program going all the way to Wilmington. That's not an easy haul going from upstate South Carolina to Eastern North Carolina.
5: No, especially not with kind of the way things are. Of course, you know, roads are probably back to close to normal now, but real, real nice gesture on the part of Clemson and, uh, to do that, and I, I, I'm, you know, real happy to see them, uh, uh, you know, take such a gesture and and, uh, and and help out down there. I know Wilmington just got absolutely hammered uh, by Florence, and uh, right there, they're pretty much, I think, the eye of the hurricane came. If it wasn't right over Wilmington, it was right next to it.
0: Yeah, Wrightsville Beach is, I think, technically where it went to. Which, if you know anything about the Wilmington area, it's like That's two, two miles away.
5: Right, exactly my point.
0: And I had forgotten that Coach Brownell actually had been a head coach at UNC Wilmington earlier in his career, so there's that connection going back. Oh, to there you go. That part of the area. Now, my question to you, Jonathan: I remember last year Kansas and Missouri had one of these sort of preseason exhibition games in Kansas City. I think also was some kind of fundraiser. What is the deal on this with college basketball? You can have these kind of marquee exhibitions if there's for some kind of a nonprofit or something. I think that's the
5: case, and generally, you still have to get a waiver from uh, um, from the NCAA in order to pull it off. But you know, in in cases like you know what uh, Clemson's doing, they're they're uh, you know they're willing to to kind of chip in and let them let them do it and raise some money for a good cause. That's I, a I think that's a good move on the part of the NCAA.
0: Yeah, I remember last year. I think it had something to do with the hurricane too. But last year, Mizzou and Kansas, which were bitter rivals back when they were in the Big 8 Conference, they haven't played together on the basketball court in a decade or so. And they sold the place out in Kansas City, raised a lot of money, and had a lot of people believing that, you know, perhaps we should play this game once again between these old rivals. And and so maybe you'll see this game between Clemson and UNC Wilmington turn into maybe uh, something where next year perhaps the, the UNCW will play another team from the state of North Carolina, perhaps, and and what, what's it going to hurt? Got to give these guys an opportunity and get yep. out there and, and represent. And, you know, maybe, Jonathan, if they win this game in Wilmington, can we now claim that Clemson would have won a game at the University of North Carolina? No, we can't do that. Because <laughs> it's been, <laughs> as we've said before, like 52 straight times Clemson has lost in Chapel Hill at the I guess the campus of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. They have never won, Clemson's men's basketball team, has never won a basketball game in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. They beat the uh, UNC, uh, not on the campus, though, maybe.
5: Yeah, it's a, an astounding stat, to be honest. I mean, you would think at some point they would have pulled an upset on the road against
0: them, but nope, not happened. And Clemson's had some decent teams through the day, through the years. I'm thinking of the old yep. Dell Davises and – Let's see, uh, Tree Rollins. I played for Clemson and Elden Campbell. Eldon Campbell. I forgot about him. So yeah, uh, they've had some. I won't say A plus basketball players through the years, but they certainly had the ability to to get a win, especially when absolutely. I, when I know that last year a team from South Carolina called Wofford went into Chapel Hill and won. And by the way, the Tar Heels are going to Spartanburg for a game against Wofford in November. So that's a huge game there in uh, in Spartanburg, South Carolina, where Georgia Tech went last year and played a game there in that they part lost. of South Carolina. Yeah, did they? I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tech needs to get their act together when it comes to basketball. They put a lot no of, doubt. They put a lot of effort, got a refurbished arena in downtown Atlanta, and this is a program, too, in, in Georgia Tech that has been to the Final Four more than once, and yep. uh, and Jacket fans want to see this team get back to greatness. Well, Jonathan, we appreciate you bringing us back to greatness here on the Y'all Show today. And, of course, go to 24-7 Sports for all the great information, a CBS Sports digital site. Mr. Height, we will catch up with you next week. Sounds great. Have a great week, and uh, we'll get caught back up next week. All right. When we come back in Hour 2 of today's Y'all Show, don't miss out. We're going to have country music talk and much, much more. You're listening to Y'all with John Rawl. Talk with a Southern accent.
3: Are you putting your retirement savings in a 401k, IRA, or investment account? Then I have one word of advice. Stop. take back control of your money and finances, and it gives you penalty-free access to your savings. Plus, it beats the pants off any 401k or IRA. These are uncertain times, so get the information you need today to guarantee your retirement security. To get this free report, go to bankonyourself.com right now. That's bankonyourself.com. bankonyourself.com. This here is the story of Lawrence, who always wanted to play pro football. His parents supported his love of the game, sent him to special camps, and then in college, pro scouts came to a bunch of games where Lawrence was playing the trumpet at halftime. Yeah, Lawrence was never that good at football, gave up by the time he got to college. But he also learned how Geico could save him a lot of money on car insurance, so he switched and saved. So, this here story has a happy ending after all.
0: Hey, Southland, what do you say? The Y'all Show is on today. (laughs) And there's a reason I'm singing that song here on the Y'all Show. Welcome back to Y'all Hour 2 with your host, John Rawl. And yes, this is the show that talks about the South and promotes the South. And when we need some criticism, yeah, we do that too. But we are all about fun and education. And so much more here on the program for y'all and about y'all. And here on the Y'all Show, we're going to have a good hour to today. We've got Precious Harris queued up coming at you next with a report from Nashville Music City, USA. And I betcha she went to the recent birthday celebration for the Country Music Association, a.k.a. the CMA. I know she did. So we're going to talk to Precious about that and what else is going on in nashville music city and all of the entertainment industry in fact there's something going on with leonard skinnard that i'm going to ask her about coming up a little bit later this hour so you do not want to miss our conversation with mrs harris coming up on the y'all show but right now friends it's time for hashtag hullah 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 hullabaloo where we dig into the social media madness and pull out good stuff and I found this one when I was looking through the mailbag from Chris Jones at Chris Jones Grass on Twitter. Now, Chris Jones Grass is not into the wacky weed. That's not why he has that handle, and that's great. He is into another type of grass, and that would be bluegrass. As Chris Jones is a singer, songwriter, and a recording artist and a serious XM radio personality, and a columnist for Bluegrass Today. He also confesses on Twitter that he is a P.G. Wodehouse addict and retweets represent a symptom of his laziness. Okay, Chris Jones, thank you for pointing all this out. Well, right now, before we get into what he tweeted, I gotta—I had to go do some research because I had never heard of P.G. Wodehouse. So forgive me for being ignorant. I'm a dummy. I guess, but maybe there's a reason I don't know who P.G. Wodehouse is. Sir Pelham Grenville Wodehouse was an English author and one of the most widely read humorists of the 20th century. So are you telling me that Wodehouse was the original British Mr. Bean? Rowan Atkinson, I think is his last name. I love that guy. I love Mr. Bean but mr bean doesn't write he just does his wacky stuff in movies but sir pelham grenville wodehouse an english author and humorist in the 20th century and chris jones mr bluegrass is addicted to him so i guess those english humorists are a little bit more up on the intellect scale compared to some of our southern humorists i'm not sure but I like our Southern folks too, too, and we got some darn good ones from the past as well as the present that make you get a good giggle too, Chris Jones. But I'm going to laugh at Chris Jones now because on Twitter, here's what this bluegrass aficionado and also a Wodehouse aficionado had to say: "I'm too wrapped up in the Cubs wild card game to even think about this right now, but join me in the morning on Sirius XM Bluegrass Channel 62." As I cover for Kyle Cantrell, 6 noon to Eastern. So, yes, he was on Sirius XM earlier today playing bluegrass. I didn't realize they had a bluegrass dedicated channel, channel 62. I don't have Sirius XM. I'm not willing to pay money for a satellite that I can kind of go play my own music when I want to hear it. And right now the Y'all Show is not on Sirius XM. So I definitely am not giving them dollar a year for a subscription and i'm joking i know it's a lot more than that i've never really seriously looked into a subscription but until they get the y'all show on sirius xm and maybe they never will then i'm not going to listen i like my terrestrial radio the old-fashioned way and of course we have the y'all show available as a podcast that you can get in itunes podcast or other podcast platforms just search for it y'all show and it's free of charge you don't have to pay a subscription. So, take that serious XM but Chris Jones, yes, he was too caught up watching last night's wild card game that featured the Chicago Cubs and the Colorado Rockies, and we have a report from Wrigley Field on the north side of Chicago in thirteen innings. The Colorado Rockies beat the Chicago Cubs two to one, and the Cubs their season is officially over. They made it to the wild card. They missed out on the National League Central on Sunday by losing to the Brew Crew, and now, no, I'm sorry, they played an extra game on Monday. They played a game Monday with Milwaukee at Chicago, and the Cubs lost that game to Milwaukee, and the Brewers, not only did they win the Central, they won the best record in the National League, and they're getting ready now to host the Colorado Rockies in the playoffs. But the Cubs had two back-to-back postseason games this week. And one was a game Monday to determine the winner of the National League Central. They lost that one at Wrigley. And then they turn around with a wild card game hosting the lowly Colorado Rockies, who actually had a really good season. And they lost that game. And now the Cubs season is done, and they blew both of these games in Chi-Town. Now, I like Chicago's tradition. I think it's one of the best stories in all of sports, Cubs fans and the tradition. I've been to a game at Wrigley, really cool area. The best country music bar I've ever been to is in Wrigleyville. And that's pretty sad because I've been all over the South at country music clubs and I've been in Nashville, worked there for a long time. The best one I've ever been to was in Chicago. And man, it was great. And uh, and I, it changed my impression of Chicago when they when they do country music like they did there. However, I don't like the Cubs because I don't like Cubs fans. They're so obnoxious. They're so, I guess, underwhelming. They they love to brag about how great the Cubs are going to be this year. And, okay, the Cubs got a World Series title a few years ago, but in the last 100 and whatever years, they haven't done anything. Not that my team, the Braves, is that great. They're not, although they're in the playoffs this year. But as a Braves fan and, honestly, as most baseball fans, most baseball fans don't have any, I guess, braggadocious ability. Baseball is not something you d- normally go around bragging about your team. You don't get into fights over baseball teams. I don't think you do. I haven't been to all the ballparks out there, Red Sox, Yankees, for example. But generally, baseball is a gentleman's or gentle lady sport. And the reason I don't like the Cubs is the handful of friends that I have that are also Cubs fans, they're the ones that are always bringing it up. Cubs are going to do it this year. Cubs are going to do this. Cubs are going to do that. And I saw multiple Cubs fans chirping about this wild card game. And and here they go losing. So as I was channeling my inner Chicago Cubs theme song at the beginning of this hour, Hey, Chicago, what do you say? The Cubs are going to win today. Not today, Cubs fans. Your season's over. Now, another wild card game goes on tonight. As the Oakland A's are at the New York Yankees, it's a 7 p.m. Eastern, first pitch, 6 Central, between the A's and the Bronx Bombers. And that will wrap up the wild card games. And then the postseason really starts in earnest tomorrow. The Braves and the Dodgers get together. And then the Brewers are going to play the Rockies. And then in the American League, you've got the Houston Astros facing off against the Cleveland Indians. And then the winner of this wild card in the AL will go on and play the Boston Red Sox, who easily had the best record in baseball this year, a historic year in Beantown with the Red Sox. But Chris Jones, thank you. Sorry about your Cubs. But for all of us in the South who love this team, and they are sort of the South's team, anyway, not the Cubs, not even the Cards. I know the Cards have listeners in a large part of the Mid-South because of the history of St. Louis beaming radio waves down into Arkansas, Mississippi, Tennessee. But for the most part in the South, the team is the Atlanta Braves. So, in that spirit, I just say as they start their postseason for the first time in five years, tomorrow. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> okay. And I know they stole that from Florida State, but still pretty cool. Moseying on along here in the hashtag Hullabaloo. Let's get back to Brett Kavanaugh talk, shall we? Well, I'm ready for this whole subject to to get past us. But I did find this GIF that I got a big chuckle out of, and it may not be quite as funny having me t- tell you over the air audio-wise without you seeing it, but I think you get the point. And it's a GIF of a young Barack Obama smoking a cigarette. It looks like could be something more powerful, and then. Well, on the right-hand side, a picture of him in more modern times with a beer in his hand. Two things he's allowed to do, smoke cigarettes and drink beer. A lot of people do that. Nothing wrong with it. But the gif says, Partying in college should preclude one from being a Supreme Court justice. But electing a president who smoked weed and snorted coke is a Democrat's civic duty. And I, I just find the irony of this gif. Now, I'm not blaming Trump. uh, Trump. I'm not blaming Obama on cocaine. I don't know for a fact that he did. I don't I, I don't recall him ever admitting that he did. I believe George Bush might have done that. But Obama probably did but I'm not gonna call him guilty on cocaine use. But he definitely smoked weed and he did it back in high school. In fact I've only seen this one time. It was a reputable news organization. Went to Hawaii and They interviewed several of his high school buddies that he grew up with in the Aloha State. And not only did Barack Obama, as a teenager, get into wacky weed use a lot, he was kind of a dealer there in Honolulu, I guess is where he lived. And so this guy was a a, a pusher, and then he goes on and becomes the 44th president of the country, and that's perfectly fine for the people that are opposing Brett Kavanaugh, but he may have had a couple of beers or something. I don't know. Nobody knows. That's why this is kind of a circus, because even if you hate Kavanaugh and you hate the allegations against him, you have no proof. This woman can go up there and claim things, and she, she could be telling the truth, but she has no evidence. And we live in a world where you got to have some kind of evidence. And so her evidence does not bode well in her behalf. And you want to feel sorry for her. I can't imagine why she would be making it up. You just can't go out accusing people without some kind of, just give me anything, something. And she has nothing. And that's why I don't think, in the end, it's going to matter. Kavanaugh will be the next Supreme Court justice. But we'll see. And maybe the Republicans need to pull out this gif of Obama and their justification of why Kavanaugh's past should not preclude him from being the next justice. Now to more serious things here on the Y'all Show, I found this GIF that just gave me the biggest chuckle. It's a GIF called Southern Food Birthstones. You know how you go through the months of the year and you've got birthstones for each month. Well, this is the Southern Food Birthstones, and I need to put this on our Twitter account at Y'all Show because it's rather—it's not just funny; it really makes sense. So let me, if you don't mind, read off your birthstone if you are a good southerner if you're born in the month of january your southern food birthstone is grits mm. february you know mardi gras going on usually in february good times Laissez a bon so i don't even know how to say it Laissez les bon roule i think is the term i need to brush up on my cajun February is jambalaya. Hey! Yeah. So you got grits followed by February's jambalaya. March. Biscuits and gravy. Yeah. You can go turn in that gemstone for your month and now get a bunch of biscuits and gravy if you're a March baby. April. Cornbread. Your southern food cornbread for the month of April. In May. Where's where's the barrister when we need him? I don't know what his birthday is, but it must be in May because the birthstone for southern food and is is barbecue in the month of May. <laughs> All right, June, as we turn into the summertime, June's birthstone chicken fried steak. Now, some places like chicken fried chicken, but I like chicken fried steak and that's The southern food burst on according to this gif for the month of June. Now to July. And July, which I'm glad I was not born in July. It is crawfish. Now crawfish is a delicacy to many in the south. It's just not worth the effort in my opinion. There's too much time put into shucking. And all you get is about a fingernail size portion of meat to go in your belly with crawfish. However... If you turn the page over to the month of August, the greatest month of the year, hint, hint, I was born in August. The birthstone for the month of August, play me some good music here, catfish is the birthstone. Catfish is a a dish that I've grown to appreciate as I've gotten older. As a kid, I guess the name catfish kind of scared me without actually having it. And I grew up in South Carolina where catfish is not a staple. There are places that have it. It's just not something you think of when you think of that part of the south. It's more of a Alabama, Mississippi type food, in my opinion. And uh, I guess Louisiana likes catfish to some degree. But boy, I've really, really enjoyed it since I became an adult. And one of the things that I've learned with catfish, that here's a little y'all show insider tip for you. Try it sometimes with hot sauce, which that's probably you no know, sh- sh- you know earth-shattering news there. I love it with hot sauce, but here here is the real real insider info about catfish. Go get you some rotel, some cheese rotel, yellow cheese rotel, and dip some catfish in that, and and make sure it's at least room temp, if maybe a little warmed up rotel. And dip you some nice fried catfish into Rotel. A wonderful combo. I learned that from Taylor Grocery in Taylor, Mississippi. That's where I learned to appreciate catfish and Rotel. Woo! Good stuff. Good, delicious stuff. September's burst on frog legs. I don't think I've had frog legs but once, and I, I could probably live the rest of my life without having them again. But hey, maybe you are a frog leg connoisseur. September is your month. October, we get back on track with something that just about every Southerner loves, fried okra. That is the birthstone for the month of October. And then, hey, we get into Thanksgiving time. And no, it's not turkey for November. It's fried chicken. And I think I'd rather go to a Thanksgiving meal anyway with fried chicken than turkey. I love fried chicken. It is a requirement, if you live in the South, that you must be a fried chicken devotee. Maybe not frog legs, but fried chicken, you betcha. And finally, what way to send out the year better than the southern food birthstone for the month of December, according to this very important gif, (laughs) than dumplings? It doesn't say chicken and dumplings, it just says dumplings, but yeah, when it gets those Cold winter months and you've got the fire going and the Christmas gifts are wrapped in underneath the tree. How about some dumplings to go along with your southern food birthstone plan? This needs to be a calendar. Maybe it'd be the perfect Christmas gift. I like it. I think it's I think it's brilliant. Whoever came up with this, we salute you here on the Y'all Show. So to recap, January grits, February jambalaya, March biscuits, and gravy, April cornbread, May barbecue, June chicken fried steak, July crawfish, August catfish, September frog legs, October fried okra or okree, and November fried chicken. And finally, December, it's dumplings. And those are your southern food birthstones. Love it, love it, love it. Finally, Marvin James is on Twitter, at Sports Marv is his Twitter Twitter account. And he says he's living my best life, WMAZ sports executive producer and anchor. And he puts, I love God, that's I-L-U-H-G-O-D. I've never seen that put that way, but hey, I love it, Marvin. I love God. He's an Omega sci-fi, proud of that. By the way, WMAZ is the CBS television affiliate in Macon, Georgia, right, in central Georgia and Marvin is a fixture there in that part of Georgia on television on WMAZ. Well, he put on Twitter this week, Please don't get upset when I call you ma'am or sir. You can even be younger or the same age as me. It's a respect thing. That's how my parents raised me. Hashtag Southern. Hashtag military brat. So Marvin, we want to salute your parents, as it sounds like you are, as you say, a military brat. They trained you right and you were doing a great thing and I try to say my yes sirs and yes ma'ams as much as possible, oftentimes to younger people. Are you all are y'all guilty of that? And it's just kind of a habit and it's, it's kind of cute, frankly, when you run into a much younger person and you call them yes sir or yes ma'am. I think it's I think it's kind of funny. Now, I like for, for people to say yes sir, or yes, ma'am, but if somebody I can relate to, oftentimes and I'm sure you may do the same. I kind of recognize them and say, hey, you don't have to call me sir or ma'am. Just just call me John. And I'm not a big fan of being called Mr. Rawl. Uh, I, I, I know it's the right thing to do, but frankly, I don't really want to be called by first name either. I don't think we should be buddy buddies if you're like 40 years younger than me. But uh, there should be a happy medium. That's why I guess I have the nickname of the general. So if you meet me, just call me General and all will be fine and dandy. And you need a nickname, too. You know, we can give you the name of General, maybe a Colonel, perhaps, maybe Admiral or Commodore. Come up with some kind of military rank or some other title out there. Maybe Your Highness would be a good name. Hey, you need something. But if you don't want to be called by your first name at all times, and sometimes I don't. I think some people don't deserve to call me by my first name, especially if they're much younger. But they got to call me something. And I just don't want them to call me Mr. Rolf. That sounds kind of like I'm teaching a, a class in their school or something. That's that's how I feel. And kind of like you, Marvin, that's how I was raised. My parents raised me. But they did teach me the right thing. And I'm hopefully, hopefully, all of you listening, your parents taught you the rights and wrongs. And they taught you, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. And thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for listening to our hashtag hullabaloo here on the Y'all Show. We will call time out when we come back. We'll have our Nashville music line report from Precious Harris. What's going on in Music City, USA? Well, she'll tell us about it next here on the Y'all Show.
2: Are you putting your
3: retirement savings in a 401k, IRA, or investment account? Then I have one word of advice. Stop. take back control of your money and finances, and it gives you penalty-free access to your savings. Plus, it beats the pants off any 401k or IRA. These are uncertain times, so get the information you need today to guarantee your retirement security. To get this free report, go to bankonyourself.com right now. That's bankonyourself.com. bankonyourself.com.
4: Hey
1: there, I'm a glue stick, so I have one job. I glue kid stuff. So sorry for being jealous of Geico, who does a ton more. Like give you 24-7 access to thousands of licensed agents. And Geico has been around for over 75 years and has a 97% customer satisfaction rating. While I've just got mediocre adhesive skills, Geico also has an award-winning mobile app. Uh-oh, arts and crafts time. No eating the glue stick.
2: Miss Lydia!
3: Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more.
1: Her mama named her Daisy Got it from a magazine Through the mountains in her white dress She'd run chasing me Thought she was faster Cause I told her so Even though it wasn't quite the truth Well I know she's an angel Even though she ain't got wings Cause my sweet
0: Daisy love the hell out of me Y'all talk with a southern accent And we have music with a southern accent On this show that's all about Dixie I'm John Raw and it's time now on the Y'all Show For a little country music talk And that music there from the band Halfway to Hazard And a great song out a few years ago called Daisy, and there's a reason we're playing Halfway to Hazard. We've got Precious Harris from Nashville Music Row, and she's got her Nashville Music Line report right now on the program. And Halfway to Hazard, well, I believe you recently caught up with them, Precious.
4: I did. Uh, They came out along with everybody everybody in town for country music uh, performers to celebrate the CMA's 60th anniversary. Wow, and it was like a invite-only industry party, but I mean, everybody was there. I mean, they had a photo booth; we were taking pictures uh, at the Wild Horse. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I lo- I've always loved my Kentucky boys. But um, Montgomery Gentry, you know, when I was John Michael's uh, as, uh, intern at Atlantic in the early '90s, uh, Troy and Eddie uh, were just singing on the side. But uh, Eddie was actually my, John Michael Montgomery's tour manager when I same time I met you. And they ended up getting noticed pretty big in Kentucky. And they ended up getting, you know, together and start doing it on the serious side, and they got signed. But, um, you know, it's, it's still, uh, honestly, it's still a pretty black cloud uh, for Troy's death. Uh, he is such a respected person in the industry. But anyway, but halfway a hazard uh, did a tribute to Montgomery Gentry's My Town. And uh, it was just so heartfelt. I mean, everybody was, like, standing in front of the stage and looking, got out of their chairs, and it was just wonderful.
0: Now, where, and, did, they uh, have this, where did they have this party?
4: At Wild Horse. Okay, yeah. And I remember Jeannie Seeley, which I had just saw her the night before. This is like a, we were laughing about throwing her around. Um, and then uh, Michael Ray, of course, the kid that I helped bring to town. And then uh, Craig Wayne Boyd, who was actually on the voice of my little cousin, Allison Bray. And uh, Lee Greenwood, of course, Lee Bryce, uh, he ended the night with, oh, God, he's such a great artist. And then Julia, uh, remember Julie Roberts?
0: Yes, I was going to talk to you about her. She's got a new book out.
4: Yes, and she is just the sweetest, sweetest thing ever. Sweetest thing ever. She used to come, uh, her booking agent was on the third floor of the building I was in until a couple of years ago. And uh, she would always stop in and say hi. So you know, very very, it was it was just an incredible celebration. The cupcakes were to die for. Really, with a CMA emblem on it, little like a little hard shell of printed of white chocolate. Oh my gosh, it was so good.
0: All and, right, and, and the
4: I cannot talk about cupcakes this time in the morning. I all love
0: right. again the CMA Country Music Association celebrating its 60th anniversary with a shindig that Precious was able to attend and enjoy the cupcakes and more, and. Is the CMA, I know I've been in their building when they, I guess, were off of Music Row. I don't even know where they're located now. But at one time, they had a very big push to try to grow the CMA internationally. Is that still the case?
4: Yes, very much still the case. They actually have a tours over there a lot, at least twice a year, to bring songwriters and performers over there. Yeah, it's still it's still pretty much um, a viable thing over there. And they've actually moved to uh, from music circles uh, north, I mean, south, mm-hmm. to uh, right across the street from where you came and saw me a couple of years ago. Um, they're in, uh, it's where the old Broken Bowl uh, record label used to be. But it's CSAC and CMA are in the same building. One is on one side and one is on the other. Uh, but yeah, they're they, I think they're at 36, I mean, no, 35 music square uh, east now. So yeah, they're moved right around the corner, but When you come down Music Road, you definitely see the huge CMA building along with c sacks on one side and CMA on the other.
0: Now, as we said, one of the folks at that event was Julie Roberts. Now, in 2004, she had a song out called Break Down Here, which went to number 18 on the country music chart. She's from Lancaster, South Carolina, went to school at Belmont in Nashville, then got a deal on Universal Music Group some 13 years ago and had moderate success, but like so many people, it's it's very hard to break in and become a monster star. And here's something I didn't know about her. Sun Records signed Julie Roberts to a recording contract back in mid twenty thirteen and her album Good Wine and Bad Decisions was the first full release for Sun Records in forty years. Were you aware of that? Yeah. Yes.
4: Uh the reason why I know is because of her like I said, her book age is upstairs that was right when I first moved in over there and I moved in 2012 to their building. Mm-hmm. That's why then uh, buddy Lee attractions ended up signing her. But I know there's a little trivia behind her getting her deal. Um, she had been secretly singing with, uh, uh demos and stuff. And the demo producer decided to go ahead and cut something on her. Uh, they got her to sing a demo to pay, to play for her boss at the time, Luke Lewis. And, um, uh, was, uh had taken over Polygram when Shed left. So anyway, what's so funny is that they played the demo, uh, an A and R meeting, and Luke was—he didn't care about the song. He just wanted who the singer was. And they said, "That—that's your assistant, Julie Roberts." He goes, "No, it's not." They go, "Yes, it is." And she came in there and sang live, and uh, they signed her literally right there on the spot.
0: Yeah. Uh, also, something—I guess I hadn't been keeping up with my Julie Roberts news. In the last couple of years, did you know that she was on The Voice? She didn't make it, but she did a blind audition. And I don't even know how she got an opportunity to do this. since she had had a major record label deal 10 years before. How in the world did she even appear on this show? But she auditioned and the judges, none of them did the I want you button for her. And when Blake Shelton turned his chair around, he actually recognized her and introduced her name to the other judges. He knew who she was, but he didn't pick her.
4: Yeah, yeah, that was a sad day because everybody was, you know, we all love Julie. I mean, but she's so talented and she's so super down to earth.
0: Yeah, and she's now moved over from the music side to a new book she's got out called Beauty in the Breakdown. And it is available right now by singer (laughs) and author Julie Roberts. It just came out three weeks ago. Uh, rather it just came out 2 weeks ago Beauty and the Breakdown Choosing to Overcome About Her Determination and Having Escaped an Alcoholic Father and Moving from South Carolina to Nashville So a uh, good inspirational book coming from from Julie Roberts We're talking with Precious Harris here on the Nashville Music Line and Precious let's switch over to some southern rock talk if we can because Leonard Skinner is still getting after it this Jacksonville Florida based band They've been in Nashville throughout their career at times. I know I went to an event at the Hard Rock one time where they were there, but never really have been based in Nashville. But they, of course, have fans that are country music fans and rock fans all over the world, and they're still going after it. What can you tell us about their latest tour?
4: Well, um, like I said, they've been working on this for a while. But like They had a death of uh, Gary Rossington, I think Mm -hmm. it was last year, one of their uh, surviving members of the plane crash. Actually, the plane crash that killed three of the members and, um, and uh, the, the assistant tour manager right. and the co-pilot and the pilot. Uh, but anyway, it will be October the 20th um, was to be the anniversary in 1977 that the plane went down in the flames. There were 20 people survived. Actually, one of my friends were there and survived. And he was telling me a story about being in a body bag. Really? Uh, and he started moving and they realized he wasn't dead. He was just knocked super unconscious. Um, you know, but it's uh they definitely are the last of the street survivors. There's not a lot of bands that walk away from a plane crash and have another 40 years successful career, actually 41 I mean, this year. But uh yeah, they uh they're opening a lot of they're doing some dates with uh my buddy Doug Gray and Marshall Tucker. Wow. And uh can you believe they've cut more than 60 records? Yeah. 60 albums.
0: Well, they've been on the chart for, what, 40 years? So that's more than one record a year.
4: Oh, yeah, easy. And uh, the most played song, requested song they did, and they were doing some kind of a research from different club owners across the across the band, was, uh, you know, of course, Sweet Home Alabama. You can play two keys of that, and everybody knows what it is. Yeah. You know? And my friend Ed King, who actually passed away not too long ago, he actually co-wrote that song, and he basically – lived off that song ever since it hit the charts and was it late 70s i think yeah, yeah. i oh, mean 70s yeah well i wasn't that old back
0: then i was <laughs> really little <laughs> yes 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 sweet home alabama that was that will pay a few bills if you write something oh, like that the
4: movie remember the movie yes
0: i think there is the even, witherspoon yeah yes. she's
4: from franklin kentucky did you know that
0: i thought she was from franklin tennessee
4: i mean franklin tennessee yeah i'm sorry well We're they're not they're
0: but America. about 45 minutes apart i guess
4: yeah, well, close. Yeah, my dad always teasing me. Are you in Franklin? Because of my husband's British accent, you know. Uh, and I said, yeah, we're in Franklin. He goes, Kentucky, when I used to live in Franklin, Tennessee. He said, are you in Kentucky or Tennessee? I said, I'm in Kentucky. He's well, get on up here. I'm hungry. We go <laughs> home for Thanksgiving, you know.
0: Yep, yep. You know when you're in Franklin, Kentucky, because you'll be driving up I-65 and there'll be a racetrack. Then that's something you don't find in Tennessee too much, but you'll find it as soon as you cross over that state line into K- Kentucky. Gotcha. You'll see the
4: horse you'll see the horse track. And also uh, you know you talk about people being on TV shows real quick I want to talk about another Kentucky boy named Marty Brown and he lives in Franklin Kentucky. Oh okay. And he was on America's Got Talent. And uh nobody realized who he was and one of the judges said now this is I mean I think it's Howie Mandel said, you know you're an undiscovered it was Howard Stern or Howie one of the men you're a wonderful undiscovered talent and I'm sitting there going Are you kidding? Did you not do your research? Of course, they didn't know who he was when he came out. They literally do not listen to the contestants or anything until they show up on stage. Mm -hmm. This has been several years since Marty had his hit out. But he is a a co-writer of a pretty big song from another another southern boy from Kentucky, from Muhlenberg County, called Richard Young. And they wrote a hit song for Tracy Bird, which had a big hit in the nineties, early 90s with a song called I'm from the country, and I like it
0: that way. Ah, oh, yeah. So
4: Yeah, so there's a little bit of backstage trivia for some more Kentucky boys that's done well.
0: Yes, Kentucky. Well, let me tell you about a Mississippi boy as we go to break here. Mississippi born, and that was on October second, 1948. This week, seven years ago, this real cowboy was a career rodeo star and a national bareback riding champ, selling his records from a pickup truck at rodeos before being introduced to Capitol Liberty recording artist, garth brooks can you name this biloxi mississippi born cowboy singer we'll have the answer on the other side of this break as we wrap up our nashville music line with precious harris
1: The wheel went dry and the cow did too Daddy didn't know what to do The banker came by the house one day Said he's gonna take the farm away Then mama came up with a plan Brother and me started up a band Sister put a sign on the roof Daddy bought a case of 90 proof Now we call it the Cadillac Ranch they're parking cars in the old P-Patch. There's a bar in the barn and the place stays packed. Yeah. Till the cows come home at Cadillac range
0: We're back here on the Y'all Show talking country music with Precious Harris as we wind down our Wednesday edition of the program All About the South. And We love our music here on the Y'all Show. And as we went to our timeout, we had a little trivia question asking did you know who the person was that was born on this during this week 70 years ago? And this was a, a singer who really is known for his cowboy style and the fact that a guy named Garth Brooks got to, to know him and influenced him in a big, big way. And if you're like me, you'd never heard of this guy until Garth had a little song out called Much Too Young to Feel This Damn Old. And the answer, of course, Chris LaDue, the late singer, Born October second, 1948, in Biloxi, Mississippi. You didn't think that this western stinger would be born in on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, but indeed he was, and sadly we lost him back in 2005. Has it been that long? Back in 2005, at the age of 56, Chris Ledoux passed away in Casper, Wyoming. Precious, you got a good Chris Ledoux story?
4: I do. I met him at the Country Radio Seminar when he first got his deal with Capitol, uh, with Garth super, super nice, and uh, uh, he was actually, uh, had had to have a liver transplant, and was doing really, really good, and I think complications of that, might happened, but he was shaking everybody's hand, hey, I'm Chris Ledoux, nice to meet everybody, I mean, super, super like, wait, you're not acting like a country star, you Mm -hmm. know, and I don't mean that bad, some of them are very, uh, you know, not really friendly, they don't mean to, it's just that they have been you know, chased and and take pictures of and harassed by some of the fans. There's some super fans here, let me tell you. But uh, Chris was super super sweet to all the DJs there, and uh, that's probably one of his one of the reasons why he was so success, successful in his first couple of years. He came out because he was just one of the nicest guys. And mm-hmm. then you hear him sing, you're like, wow, you know, he's super nice and he's contained.
0: Right. Well, uh, he, I he, got
4: some next week before I, I didn't mean to interrupt. You, yeah, but go I've got some. I'm taking a. Uh, I'm, next week, we're going to go see another Memphis boy born next week. I'm taking my husband for his 70th birthday to see a guy named Steve Cropper.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah. Memphis,
4: Memphis yeah. he's a. He doesn't have a lot of country. Uh, of course, he played a lot of uh, country songs and, you know, one of the co-writers of the, the, the Blues Brothers' Soul Man hit. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. So I'm going to try to give you some highlights with him and uh, Dave Mason are going to be next week. So I'll give you a couple of little tidbits about that concert we're going to go on Sunday night here in City Winery.
0: Well we talked about Ledoux sadly passing away in two thousand five and I don't mean to be a wise guy here, but here's a name that you've got uh that we want to talk about now. Carlene Carter. And frankly, I don't know how she's still alive. She had a lot of personal problems with addiction and stuff. And she's still evidently kicking. She's got a an event coming up Uh, at the Bluebird Cafe, so I guess it's a success story. Carlene Carter is still out there.
4: Yes. She actually had it uh, last night, uh, one of the shows, but she's at residency for the whole month of October at the Bluebird. But, uh, you know, another uh, child of, uh, you know, two, you know, iconic uh, mother, you know, June uh, Carter Cash, Mm -hmm. because she married to her daddy, um, Carl, I mean,
0: Carl Smith was her dad. and Carl Smith, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, and, of course, she was Carlet the granddaughter Carter. of Mother Mabel Carter. But.
4: That's it, sorry. I just got through having a meeting a couple of weeks ago with uh, John Carter Cash. I was supposed to be there, and something happened, and he could not make it. So that's why I've got Cash on the brain.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I've always got Cash I mean, on my brain, but it's not necessarily <laughs> Johnny. <laughs>
4: well, i see, I can't – I'm serious. You go out in Nashville, and, I mean, I, when we went to uh, – uh, the other night with we the CMA party, I saw at least two different Johnny cash t-shirts. Really? Yes. I mean, it, it, he is still such an iconic figure um, here, you know? And uh, so it, it's not unusual to see, you know, a Johnny cash t-shirt. Apparently someone had taken the picture of when he was angry at country radio and he'd give him a sign of, you know, kiss my grits sign, mm-hmm. and, uh, but there's T-shirts with that on it now. A lot of people don't wear them anymore. But yeah, when it first happened, that was like someone had decided to take the picture and bootleg T-shirts out of it. But uh, uh, you know, Carlene uh was on the charts at the same time Pam Tillis was,
0: mm-hmm.
4: and Matresa Berg, you know, it's co-writer of Strawberry Wine, um, uh, and Gretchen Peters are all going to be on the um the, the last of the they the, Gretchen and Matresa are going to be on the last day uh on the 30th or her last show but matricia is buried to uh married to one of the guys from uh nitty-gritty nitty-gritty that's it yeah mm-hmm. so i'm thinking of john McEwen because i just did a interview with him about seven or eight months ago when he had his cd out she's married and, to jeff uh,
0: hannah isn't she
4: yes yeah, he's married to jeff hannah yeah, yeah who's one of the bigger song you know also wrote i think mr bill jingles with uh john john McEwen is very oh my gosh talent talent um he actually came in and um, did an interview with us and played a little do- uh, played a little dober, little banjo and stuff in the office. It's pretty cool.
0: Carlene Carter, of course, had a couple of hit songs back in the 90s when Pam Tillis and even Matresa Berg, as you just referenced, had a, a couple yeah. of hits of their own. Her singles that were rather big on the charts included I Fell in Love, Come On Back, and Every Little Thing. Now, a more modern artist has a new album coming out this week, and that's Eric Church. His new CD is Desperate Man, and he's also going to be on a tour across 19 cities. So, good job there, Eric Church.
4: I love him. Love him. Love Eric.
0: Okay. Well, Uh, you need to go see him him at one of his concerts.
4: Well, I'm going to try. They're right across the street uh, from us on Music Row. So every once in a while you'll see him come out the door, you know, hang out in the patio when it was not so hot this summer. Um, but he's a, uh, uh, he's he's just one of my favorite songs is the the vinyl song. That you know he's just uh it's a record day. Um, yeah. He's just, I mean he's just an incredible writer and, a, and an artist and you know. But I can see and I love it because he really took care of the fans and they were doing all the ticket scalping. He basically bought all the tickets and sent them to his fans directly. Yeah, him and Lars had the same vi- vision about not messing with her fans. So, you know, the, the like I said, they were um, they decided to go ahead and make sure that it didn't happen again. So they try to do that when they can. But now they got the new technology embedded in Ticketmaster. Like the CMA Awards, you can only buy four tickets if you're a member. Um, so if anybody's trying to buy four tickets, that's um, not a member. Afterward, you know, unless it's they usually, they're not going to be selling them that way anymore. Unless it's a company corporation purchase, so yeah. hoping to stock some of that ticket scalping. Because last year I heard some of the CMA tickets, and I think the CMAs is on November the fifteenth this year,
2: mm-hmm. I
4: think, and um, the Wednesday, the state Wednesday in November, that they were going for twenty five hundred dollars a piece.
0: My goodness.
4: Yeah. So yeah, they're really keeping a close eye on that, but uh,
0: and that's what we do. Also, before we let you go, Precious, uh, let you know the audience that CMT has announced that Loretta Lynn will be honored with the Artist of a Lifetime Award presented by Ram Trucks at this year's All-Female CMT Artist of the Year event premiering live on the 17th of October, and that'll be on Wednesday, the 17th of October at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. And the Academy Award winner and coal miner's daughter, actress Sissy Spacek, will bestow the award to... Precious's fellow Kentuckian Loretta Lynn.
4: Oh yes, and Loretta, she is. Uh, she's actually uh, got a new record coming out. Actually, does she really? Yeah, and um, I heard uh, she's got. She's been in the studio. I can't tell you with because I'm signed, but a uh, uh, quiet. But she does have some new music coming out very soon.
0: I think it's and called "Wouldn't It Be."
4: Wouldn't it be? Yeah, but I heard that uh, she's been going through 148 stuff. 148 songs that has uh, either never made it to the vinyl or never made it to the CD. And uh, so I'm anxious to see where that comes from. But, yeah, she's got some big, big stuff coming up. So I'm excited for Loretta. Of course, yeah. I've always loved Loretta before she was coal miners. Yeah. Very first country song I ever heard when I was a little girl growing up was uh, Ain't, uh, was her uh, The Peel song.
0: Uh-huh. And- you shouldn't have even known up. what that was, Precious. I didn't Goodness. know what
4: it was. I thought it was a baby. I thought it was a children's
0: aspirin. <laughs> <laughs> well, it kind of <laughs> is. I guess it sort of is that. Hey, she sold 45 million records worldwide, Loretta Lynn. So excited to see her making new music and being on this new Artist of a Lifetime Award on the CMT Network real soon. Precious Harris, author of I Know Country, and she's got 366 daily country music Q&As available. And you also can find her book, The College of Songology 101, The Singer-Songwriter's Need-to-Know Reference Handbook. You can go to collegeofsongology.com to find that or find Precious's blog about country music at nashvillemusicline.com. Miss Harris, thank you very much, and enjoy your trip to the Bluff City and all that uh, music that you and your hubby are going to enjoy. Well,
4: honey, thank you. I'm excited. All right, honey, take
0: care. All right, Precious Harris. Well, that will wrap up today's y'all show. It's been a ball, y'all. When we come back on Thursday's y'all program, we're going to have our SEC spotlight and, of course, give you all the goings-on in the land of cotton. Until that time, have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to y'all talk with a southern accent with your host, John Raw.